0: Coffee Break, the advice podcast for teachers, brought to you by UEA. Welcome to the third episode of Coffee Break. I'm Lauren, a HE advisor here at UEA, and today I'm joined by Roshan.
1: Hi, I'm Roshan. I'm one of the uh, higher education advisors here
2: at UEA.
0: And Lydia.
2: Hi, uh, I'm one of the higher education advisors as well here at UEA.
0: And This week we are discussing how to choose a university course, particularly when it's something you haven't studied at A-level. And later on we're going to be joined by a recent graduate, Ellie, who actually studied meteorology. And then our guest lecturer this week is Elizabeth Corbett from International Relations, so she's going to be talking about her subjects and the main differences between that and international development.
1: Thanks, Lauren. So we're joined now by Ellie, who's a recent graduate from the Meteorology and Oceanography course at UEA. Ellie, thanks for joining us on Coffee Break. Ellie, could you tell us a bit about why you chose to study meteorology and oceanography? Because I'm guessing you hadn't studied the subject too much and um, perhaps not so much at kind of A-level before. So why meteorology?
3: So, um... I hadn't really done anything to do with it at A-level, but I took biology, geography and maths. And geography and maths were my two favourite A-levels. I loved them, but I didn't want to do just geography or just maths. I really wanted to do something with them. Um, And the maths was a really important part. Meteorology does have a lot of maths in it. Um, I'd always been interested in weather before... I'd even thought about applying maths to the real world um, weather was always something that fascinated me. I loved all the films to do with weather so when I came to reading through all the courses it did it took a lot of research to find the meteorology and oceanography course and realise that that was the right thing to do but when I finally looked into it I knew it was definitely the course I wanted to do.
1: So looking back to your first semester at UEA your first term when you were studying a brand new subject how did you find that and did you find it quite different then to what you're doing at school before.
3: Yeah I mean there were a lot of differences. um, A lot of the modules in the first year were actually the same modules as the environmental science students studied as well so even though meteorology and oceanography was quite a small course there was loads of us doing these modules so we were able to help each other out but um, a lot of it was a bit more general as well in the first year, which was a really nice way to ease into doing a completely new subject. Like, for example, one of the modules was Global Environmental Challenges. So that sort of explored, like, climate change, something that we're aware of, even though I hadn't studied meteorology. So mm. it wasn't a completely new concept. Um, so it was really nice to ease into this new subject.
1: And what advice would you give to any student who perhaps now was thinking about studying that kind of... Um, program? Are there any A-levels that you think would be particularly useful? And um, is maths quite important then for, for the course?
3: Yeah, so maths is important. Maths was actually a requirement to do the course. Um, a lot of universities will ask for physics as well. Um, so physics is a really good one to have. There is a lot of physics in it. You do a lot of sort of fluid dynamics and things. Um, apart from maths and physics, I'd say geography is a great subject in terms of Um, There's some relevance of it, and sometimes people learn about weather and geography, but you don't need it. But I think, from my point of view, geography was part of the reason I wanted to study it, so I think it's a good A-level to have.
2: So in terms of A-levels, if you didn't have a geography A-level, it probably wouldn't be the end of the world. The maths bit was maybe more beneficial, so if you had that interest it wouldn't matter too much no
3: not at all Um mass would be the main thing definitely if you've got that interest in mass then you'd probably really enjoy meteorology there is a huge amount of mass in it um even like um there's a lot of things um to do with programming on the computer as well um so again if you're interested in mass and like in the computer side of it even that as well could lead on to that but the mass is a really important one
2: Sounds really interesting. And did you um, do any like any field trips or didn't you go storm chasing? I remember you telling me about a few weeks ago.
3: (laughs) I was able to go storm chasing, which was absolutely incredible. Um, It was through one of my lecturers. Um, I went and got some work experience because he works for a company, a weather company based on campus. And he invited anyone to come and have a day's work experience there. So I went along and I mentioned that I loved the idea of storm chasing. And it turns out some of the people in that office storm chasing so I very simply asked if I could come along there was nothing more to it than that and they said yes and I went off to America for two weeks and we flew to Texas and drove around a lot of the southern states and I got to see a tornado which was amazing. That is amazing, that
2: sounds really really good and can you, this might seem like a while back, can you think back to when you were writing your personal statement and applying like how did you sort of talk about your interest for meteorology like did you obviously not studying it before um was there any is there any kind of advice that you'd give to someone perhaps applying for something that they've not studied at a level um
3: it is just showing why you're interested obviously it is more difficult but if you're interested in chances are you've done things that relate to it and like I said all the films interest me that sounds like a very simple thing to talk about but it was Even just mentioning that that sparked my interest and led me to do more research into it because that was the films were the first thing that did spark my interest. Even though they're not real life, they were the reason that I decided to do more research into what meteorology was actually like. So I was able to say that and then go on to say that. That led me to read up about it a bit more and find out more about it myself.
1: Brilliant. Ellie, that sounds like just a a really amazing degree to study. Obviously, very specialist and really focused. But I know that students within uh, the kind of broad environmental sciences options can take a few of those meteorology kind of classes as well. So I think, yeah, lots for us to um, kind of think about. Ellie, thank you very much for for joining us. Uh, Lydia, we're obviously talking today about choosing um, degree courses maybe that aren't studied at, at A level. What advice would you give um, to, to students, as we say, preparing personal statements and working on applications to kind of draw out those experiences if it's not um, the exact course that they're applying for compared to what they've studied?
2: Mm, yeah, it is, it is a tricky one. It's hard to, when you're obviously, your personal statement, you do often end up drawing on examples and things that you've perhaps already learned in your A-levels. But we do quite like students to tell, tell us about, I guess different experiences are like Ellie was saying with the films that she'd seen. It's nice for us to hear where your interest for the subject originally kind of sparked from, um, not that you just did an A-level in it. So, for example, if you wanted to go and study, uh, let's say, law, lots of students don't get the opportunity to do this as an A-level subject, but you may have studied uh, politics, you may have done economics, you may have done history, and there are elements of these subjects that, connect to the kind of the law degree so perhaps just having a look at the degrees on the um on various university websites and having a look at the modules and perhaps think about where those links are to what you've done in a level already or like we were saying earlier something you've maybe seen on tv or something that you've read that you can sort of link perhaps to the course you're studying but it is a tricky one i think in terms of starting and thinking i don't know anything really about this but you've just sort of something has sparked that initial interest
1: Definitely. and I know one of the questions we get asked a lot is, you know, what is the subject really about and um, kind of knowing what it might involve if students had, haven't studied it before. Are there any um, kind of taster events or opportunities for students to find out more about a subject perhaps that they haven't um, been studying previously?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, at UEA, for example, we run various summer schools um, for Year 12s. So, for example, this year we we had um, students who were sort of interested in um, law. We had a sort of health science one. So, obviously... Medicine, nursing, although you may have an interest in them you've you won't have done an A level in medicine so again it's still a new subject and um, these are great opportunities to come and obviously see the campus but also get a taste of what the subject's about Um, and we also run taster days as well that aren't kind of residential visits so there's always an opportunity to hear more about a subject and of course that's something really good to talk about in your personal statement as well.
1: So there's loads of those uh, event information and details on the website, uea.ac.uk forward slash visit.
0: Coffee Break, the advice podcast for teachers brought to you by UEA.
1: Every time on Coffee Break, we're joined by a subject specialist and academic colleague from across the university, and this time we're delighted to be joined by Elizabeth Corbett from the School of Politics, Philosophy, Language and Communication Studies. Um, Elizabeth predominantly works within the international relations part of the department. Um, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. Could you tell us a bit, first of all, about the uh, discipline of international relations and what areas it predominantly focuses upon?
4: Right. So... um International relations began as a discipline a hundred years ago, um, actually in the University of Aberystwyth. It was set up as a chair to try and understand how we can obtain world peace. Following the World War One, and that has been the main endeavours. How do we obtain or how do we reduce wars and obtain peace? It has since uh, well, that's been the main focus, but it's since uh, evolved to look at security more largely. Questions, for example, of terrorism, counterterrorism, questions of law, public law, international law, and big questions, for example, of trade and finance and development of countries uh, around the world. So, it, whereas it started in the beginning as a field looking at interstate relationships, so for example, Britain and China or Britain and United States, it has developed much more into a focus on global politics, where other non-state actors are studied and taken into consideration. For example, you can have NGOs such as Greenpeace, or you could have uh, non-state actors such as uh, terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda, and how do we understand everything playing in what we call the international arena?
1: And with that then, is there any uh, interplay, and if so, to what extent with the international development work?
4: So international development has a particular focus, I would say, which is looking at usually in countries in the global south to see how they can improve uh, the situation from going from underdeveloped countries to becoming more industrialized economies. So usually, in development would look—it's the scale of analysis. So they would be looking at ground level, saying, for example, how do we improve uh, maternal health? How do we actually put a well in place? How do we try and change local politics to try and foster well-being and development? Whereas international relations is much more of a macro um, analysis. So you're looking at big picture, you're looking at politics and power between states and between big actors, for example, the World Bank or the WTO, which is the World Trade Organization or the International Monetary Fund. So if you will, it's a a question of scale. What is it that you're looking at?
1: Thanks, and I know that you're involved uh, in the department, both teaching, but also uh, with some research work as well. Could you tell us a bit about the um, work that you've been focusing on in in the last few years?
4: So the the work I'm focusing on is really looking at the changing, what we call the changing world order. How is the world, where's the big powers, what's happening with, for example, maybe the demise of the United States, the rise of China, how does that affect other emerging powers? And my focus is on Africa and looking at how big leading countries in Africa are situating their political economy. So looking at, for example, trade and finance, and how they are moving into a global network. So I look at Lagos, which is a an engine of a megacity i look at casablanca which is situating itself as gateway to africa i'm looking at uh, kenya rwanda is a fascinating case study because everybody remembers for example the genocide but what they don't know is that rwanda is now leading as an east african power and i look at um, south africa If you want to understand how Africa is being situated within the world, and how the world's changing, a good way to understand that for students is to understand what China is doing to try and increase its power globally. So China is setting up what they call a new Silk Road. It's called the Belt and Road Initiative, and it's going all the way across Eurasia and all the way down the ocean, up the Indian Ocean, through the Suez Canal into the Mediterranean. And it's connecting uh, about 60 countries. About 70% of the world's population will be connected to this new uh, Silk Road. So students will then understand how... Big patterns of change are taking place where the West or Britain and the United States are not central, but we are returning back to the power in Asia-Pacific.
1: You mentioned uh, just at the end there the the United States. I know that's quite a popular destination for some of our students to take a period of of study abroad, um, which is offered with the International Relations Programmes here. Would you encourage that and um, how does that benefit the students as, as part of their time at UEA? So I always tell the students it's absolutely vital or important to think
4: about going abroad, doing the study abroad, not just for employability, though that is very good, because it demonstrates to future employees or future grad programs that you're able to change your situation of education, meet new people, meet new systems of pedagogy, but as well because the, the student will then make new connections, um, understand the world from a different position. So I encourage students to think about their positionality, which means to understand how they are as actors in the world. And if they're in Britain and they haven't moved outside of Britain, and for example, a student decides to go and study in Hong Kong, their understanding in the world will be completely revised and changed and they'll become very much more excited and make connections with students from all around the world who are studying in Hong Kong. So I'm not saying that people students have to do it, but I say it's a fantastic opportunity which I think really opens students' eyes and changes their perspective on the world.
1: And that's usually something that would be for one semester, is it, and in the second year? So,
4: study abroad in PPL is the second year, the second semester. They start to prepare that at the end of the first semester. There is a whole team supporting students in this process. So, how do they go about doing it? How do they manage to raise the funds? What grades do they need to do that? I think as long as they have a 2-1, they are able to go to do the study abroad. So, there's support from A to absolutely to Z, and when they return from the study abroad to support students in this. Students don't have to pay extra fees, that is understood and exchanged between the universities. Uh, What they need to do is really think about which universities, how to choose their modules once they're there and actually be there and enjoy their time uh, abroad whether it's in Australia, Canada, United States,
2: Europe or Asia. And you mentioned just before that about sort of employability and obviously with an international relations degree and particularly doing a study abroad that can really open students' eyes and kind of open up doors, I guess. So what sort of career opportunities are there for students with an international relations degree? What would be a sort of... An obvious route? An obvious
4: route would be working for, for example, an international organization, whether it's a sort of think tank on policy. So the route would be to go think about um, international institutions and governance. So, working for the EU or trying to work towards uh, institutions, for example, like the, the United Nations or any international governance that governs or manages the world. So, they can be them regionally. It can as well be being, being focused in London and trying to work as well with the EU or with other institutions. I for example have a student who went and worked on the British Meat Board, which is then doing international and um, trade with the EU and elsewhere. So his international degree. Doesn't necessarily fit the meatball, but it fits the whole connections of understanding supplies of meat and, and global ch- chain supplies. That's a bit of an unusual one. Usually, students want to go like said, into think tanks, into policy, into journalism, mm-hmm. into uh, governance institutions. So, the, the, I would, you know, in the humanities. In a post-Google world, we're not teaching students facts. We're teaching students how to think critically and how to think logically. Mm. And that's what employees want. They want someone who's able to work in team, think outside the box, being able to find a solution, be creative. And that's what the humanities teaches. It teaches students to think differently and to create a a maturity. And with that, then they can go into various different positions.
2: And with... Oh, we speak to a lot of students and then lots of them don't always know what international relations is or they, they can't study international relations as an A-level, for example. Are there any A-level subjects that, you would recommend or would sort of help them with their application and would kind of give them a bit of an introduction to what international relations would be at university?
4: Perhaps I can just distinguish what we, the difference between, because you asked the difference between IR and development, yes. but the difference between international relations and politics. Oh yeah, of course, that would be great. So the politics, if you want, it's, it's the politics within, inside a state, so you look at constitutions, you look, for example, at the Labour Party or the, or the, the Conservative Party. So you look inside at the stuff that's within the states. Mm-hmm. Whereas international relations is looking at the relationships between those states. So it's much more about power because in international relations, there is no global government, there is no global king, so it's much more a competition. Whereas within the states, you have constitutions and you have parliaments. I teach in international political economy. I've had people from, I get, I work very much with economic students who want to understand the politics of economics. Mm-hmm. I work with students who do business, uh, students who do, who've done politics, history, literature. So there's a very, very wide entrance. So we don't specify any particular uh, pre-elective or any particular topic uh, more a mindset of wanting to understand the very big picture, I would say, of globalization. Yeah,
2: and understanding what that is, not necessarily. Yeah, they don't have to. We will, we will teach
4: the students exactly what they need to know. So it's yeah. really the desire. Most students come in because they say, well, I need to understand what's happening in the world. I need to understand international relations. And then we go from the beginning, we don't expect any previous knowledge. No.
1: Thanks, Elizabeth. And I know there's a few different options here at UEA. So we have the International Relations Programme, um, but also combined with politics. There's a modern history option uh, and with languages as well. And am I right in thinking there's quite a lot of opportunities for students to take some language options as part of their study here?
4: There is. So just uh, quickly, the International Relations and Modern Language um, is a four-year course where they will go in their third year for a year abroad, for example, in Latin America or in France to specialize in their language. Students who ha- feel they need to have a language, who don't have previous language, can actually take any many choices of language as a non-credit course, which means that they won't have to pay for the module and they won't be part of their cumulative grade. So it's a very... Uh, enticing way for students to start to learn a little bit of the Spanish they always wanted to learn, or a bit of Arabic, Mm. or a little bit of Russian, because they're thinking that they want to go work in international relations, and that having only English perhaps is not the best thing. Well, we offer these uh, to students that are free as non-credit courses.
1: Sounds a brilliant option. I know lots of our students are are very interested in, in looking at that. Elizabeth, thank you very much for joining us today. If you have students that you're working with that perhaps would like to find out a bit more about the study of international relations and would like to hear from one of our subject specialists, do contact us, schools at uea.ac.uk and we may be able to organise a visit to your school or college.
0: You've made it this far. Why not subscribe to our podcast? So at the end of each episode, we round off the coffee break with a question from our post bag. This month, we've had a really great question from Kim, who teaches at a school in Dorset. Thanks, Kim. She was asking, can you let me know what yours and the university's view is on including a standard paragraph in all of the pupils UCAS references? So she is asking more about that. Lydia, can you offer any advice for Kim?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, as university, it does give us a, a good idea of the kind of the context of the school that the students studied in um, and generally the kind of the cohort that they've been part of for their for their studies. So we do quite yeah, we, we like to kind of get an idea of where the students come from
1: lydia says it gives us that little bit of background which is really useful and some universities will have um, contextual criteria that they use for admissions for certain programs so that really is um, you know useful to include at the top of the reference but ultimately the reference is about that student it's about that individual it's about their subject areas and their um, experiences really during school or college and how that's helped them prepare for their time at university so keeping a bit about the school relatively short a couple of lines then that reference being that real supporting document enhancing that student's um, chance of getting the the offer that's going to be right for them and their future subject um, is really important and universities will be looking at the references alongside the personal statements as part of that kind of holistic application process with the predicted grades.
0: Got a question for our postbag? Email schools at uea.ac.uk and we will do the rest. Join us next time to hear more from the HE advice team and thank you for listening. Do you know someone who would like this podcast? We'd love it if you shared it with them.